Well, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be able to worship together, isn't it? And welcome to Crosspoint. And uh, we're in week two of our Go series. One of the uh, this one of the regulars in our cafe on Graham and Ann is a character named Brad. And every week he'll ask me, "What did you preach on last week? What are you preaching on this week?" And uh, so I told him this week that we were going to do Jesus walking on the water, and Bradley says, uh, oh, I walk on the water. And I said, you do? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, I do, in the winter. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, that's for Bradley. I told him I would share that. So there, I, I love a good storm. I, I really love a good storm, especially if I'm not on the back of a lobster boat or on a ferry or something like that. Like if I'm on land and I know that a storm, a really good storm's coming. I don't know, I just love the power of a storm. I love hunkering down. I love storm chips. Huh? Amen. That'll preach right there. Um, just riding it out, being impressed with the energy of the storm. Most of you know that my father was a lifelong sea captain, um, spent literally most of his life at sea, probably, probably at sea he, more than on land. Like he would get land sick because he would be at sea for so long that when he came ashore and stood still, he would get land sick. This is true. Um, and I loved hearing my father tell storm stories. He had so many of them. And like tying himself to the wheel of the ship. Like in such a storm that the captain would be thrown around the wheelhouse if he didn't tie himself to the wheel of the ship. I loved hearing things like that. Or dipping the wheelhouse windows in the ocean and then the boat would come back up again. You know, it always came back up again. And, and I think like, you know, if you're not tied to the wheel, you'd go flying down and be laying, looking into the ocean and then boom, it would come back up again. Uh, things like that. Um, my father was captain of the supply ship to the Ocean Ranger oil rig the night that it sank off the coast of Newfoundland. If you remember that disaster uh, many years ago, he was, he was, he was out that night. Um, if you've seen the movie, The Perfect Storm, my father was out that night in the Atlantic, the night of the perfect storm. Uh, I remember asking him one time, like, how bad does it have to be before you think we should probably go somewhere else? And he said, oh, you know, when, when it's around 50. And I said, oh, you mean 50 knots of wind? And he said, no, no, like 50-foot waves. <laughs> like, when, when the waves are around 50, you probably should be thinking about, you know, being somewhere else. And uh, anyhow, so, and, and I would clearly hear God calling me to ministry on the land. And <laughs> think, yeah. Anyhow, a perfect storm. A perfect storm is when I take, when I take my eyes off of my situation and I focus on my Savior, when I take my eyes off of my situation and I focus on my Savior, that's the, that's the eye of the storm. When I take my eyes off of my situation and I put my focus on my Savior, that's the eye of a storm. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 and uh, beginning in verse 22. And you do not have the text in front of you like you do every week because um, apparently gremlins called, crawled into our system last night. 
Um, it's on the back wall if you want to read it that way or on your phone or, um, or just listen. Matthew 14, verse 22. And by the way, welcome to those of you who are watching online. We're glad that you joined us this morning and you do have the text online this morning. So there's an advantage to being online. Here we go. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after, he sent, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting many heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. The part that we didn't read, that what happened just before this, this storm, is that uh, they were just coming off the feeding of the 5,000. That's what had just happened was um, there's, there's a mega crowd of people and it's late in the evening and, uh, and, and there, there's no food around. There's no food truck in the area and they find, uh, a, they find some fish and chips and they scrounge that together. And um, so that had to be an exhilarating experience for the disciples to watch Jesus take some fish and chips and just multiply it over and over and over and over and feed the 5,000. And they, they had to still be riding high on, uh, on that experience, what they had seen Jesus do. And isn't that the way life goes? Isn't that the way that life goes? Storms often form and gain strength in the warm waters of victory. Great spiritual highs and great spiritual victories or just victories in life in general, are, aren't they often followed by a good storm? You know, it's just life. It's the way, that's the roller coaster we call life. Someone should build a wild coaster in a theme park. Like make the craziest roller coaster ever. The biggest, the fastest, the highest, the cre- I'm not going on it, but build, build something, you know, bonkers, and then name that thing life. Just name it, because that's what life is. It's full of twists and turns and unexpected drops and things you didn't see coming. And my wife loves the crazy things. But Gayla will get off a roller coaster, and I've seen her run to get back in line. Like, did you know that you don't have, you don't even have, you don't have to get on a roller coaster. Did you know that? You can just stand and watch. Like, I'm the guy who will gladly hold your drink, your purse, your, right? I'll hold your kids. I'll watch your stuff. Like, I, I, I don't have to get on those. And my wife, well, she gets right back, goes again and again and again. 
Life is like a roller coaster. And often after something, a great high, a victory, like feeding the 5,000, boom. You know, you're hit by, by a storm. The smell of fish and chips is still in the air. And they're hit by this massive and unexpected and life-threatening storm. And when you are in a storm, when I, I'll say about myself, when I am in a storm, my question is almost always why, right? I'll even think back, like, is this, is this my fault? Like, is there something that I did to cause this storm? And, and I'll wonder, like, why am I in this storm? And sometimes storms have answers and sometimes storms don't have answers. You will go through some storms of life that do not make sense and just won't make sense on this side of eternity. And, and you'll ask why, and there, there, sometimes there are answers and sometimes there, there, there aren't. It wasn't their disobedience that put them in the storm. It was their obedience. Like Jesus said, go, and they went, and they went right into a storm. So it wasn't anything that they had done wrong. It was, it was because of things that they had done right that they found themselves in a storm. Like, like Joseph, we learned in the last series this summer, you can do everything right and still find yourself in a pit. You can do everything right and, uh, and end up in a storm. But there are better questions than why. And I always ask why. But there are better questions like, like what? What is God teaching me in this storm? What is God doing? What does God want to do in my life in this storm? Or where? Where is Jesus? In How do I see Jesus in this storm that I find myself in? Um, another good question while you're in a storm is who? Who am I becoming? What is God teaching me? How is God changing me? What am I learning in this storm? And this storm that we just read about is about faith over fear, but, but I would put it another way. I would say it this way, that who you are becoming is more important than what you are enduring, right? The, the storm is, is about what Jesus wants to teach them. It's about what he wants to do in their lives. And it's a reminder to us that who I am becoming is more important than what I am enduring. Now, it's not easy to think that way when you're in a storm. When you're in a storm, you just want the storm to stop. Somebody, please, flip the switch, turn it off, make it go away. I just want it to stop. And we're, I think we're all like that. But if you can manage, when you're in a storm, to think, to, to remember that maybe, maybe there's a lesson in here. Maybe God is teaching me. Maybe he's showing me. Maybe there's there's something that I hadn't seen before, but I'm going to see it now. And, and to be mindful that, that, that this, you will grow in the storm. You will come out of the storm stronger, and, and you'll be a different person. And though we wouldn't choose the storms, and none of us want the storms, but who I am becoming is more important than what I am enduring. So in verse 24, Matthew says, they're far away from land, a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. In other words, Matthew is saying, this, this is bad. You know, this, this cannot get much worse. They're in the dead of the night. So if you were to look back on, on your life thus far, some of you would have um, many years 
You're more chronologically experienced than uh, others in the room, and uh, some of you not so much. But if you would think back and think, what it, so far, what would, what would I say is the highest point of my life? What is, what is the one thing that I would say is like Mount Everest so far in my life? And then follow that up with like, what is the absolute lowest point? What is H-E double hockey stick so far in my life? And you've got Everest of your life here. And then you've got the lowest thing here. That, that, that's life, right? It's, like, it's, true for, it's true for all of us. And, and then I'll, let me ask this morning, was God more faithful here? Was he more faithful here at the, at the lowest point? Um, and we shouldn't speculate, but, but it would seem like God's intent coming off of the exhilarating high of the feeding of the 5,000, that God's that God's intent was to take them from here in a few hours to here. And, and in there are these lessons that he's, that he's going to teach them, things that they just didn't know before. You don't know what you don't know. Things that they just hadn't seen before that they, that they needed to see. We're in a series called Go. God told them to go to the other side, and they went. Uh, last Sunday, we, 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 we focused on that quite enthusiastically, I might say, last Sunday. If you were, if you were here, the service had a, a, a much different tone. The message had a much different tone. I was very much the cheerleader up here telling us all, it is time to go. When God says, go, we should God told them to go to the other side, and they, and they went. Now, but catch this. Obedience doesn't always take you to a place where you want to be. There have probably been times in your life where you found yourself in a certain spot, and you thought, God, I listened to you, I followed you, I did what you wanted me to do, and this is not where I want to be. And they were obedient to God. God said, go, go, go out into the lake. Okay, we're, Jesus, great, we're going to go out into the lake. And obedience doesn't always take you to a place where you want to be or a place where you would choose. Obedience takes you to a place where God will show up. See, Jesus knew, I'm going, there's going to be a storm, but I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you there. They didn't know that at the time, right? But Jesus is like, your obedience will take you to a place where you're going to see me like you've never seen me before. Obedience puts you where God can teach you, where God can use you. Jesus, lead me to a place where I can see your glory. That's a good prayer today for all of us. Jesus, lead me. Take me to a place where I can see your glory. Lead me to a place where I can experience your power. Now, one of the conditions of following Jesus is that you can't have any conditions. You can't say, like, I'll follow as long as we go where I want to go. I'll follow you as long as we don't hit any storms, because I don't like those big roller coaster things. You, you cannot put conditions on that. If you're going to follow Jesus, you just, 
you just follow. You follow him with reckless abandon. You just say, like, let's go. I, I will go. You lead, I'll follow wherever you want to go. I will go, even if it takes me someplace that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't choose. In verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Now, the presence of Jesus, which we are experiencing in this room this morning, lest we forget, the presence of Jesus calmed the storm within them before it calmed the storm around them. And I always want that storm turned off. Could you just flick the switch and knock this off? Like I always, right? And I, I, I mean, I've, I've preached this stuff for 30 years. And when I am in a storm, I don't think, Lord, would you come and calm the storm within me first? I always think, could you not just do something about the, the, the storm of life first? The presence of Jesus calmed the storm within them before it calmed the storm around them. They were still in a storm. Um, I'm not real good at inviting Jesus into the storm with me. And I, 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 I see, all I see is the cause of my fear and my anxiety. And I just want God to fix all the problems, just, just make them go away. But maybe my problem isn't the storm. Maybe the problem is my faith. Maybe the problem is my fear. Maybe the problem is it's not what's going on around me. Maybe the problem is what's going on within me. Now, the disciples weren't crying out to Jesus to save them. They didn't even recognize Jesus. They, they thought that, that a ghost had uh, entered their storm. Like, oh, great. We're not only drowning, but a ghost has come to watch us drown. This is awesome. This is great. Jesus' first mission is to deal with the storms within them, and then he'll deal with the storms I'm around, around them. Who I am becoming is more important than what I am enduring. Now, Jesus didn't need to walk on water, but the events unfold exactly the way that God intended because there are deep, meaningful truths and lessons that these disciples needed and, and things that you and I, all you all, us, Together this morning, things that we right now need to get deeply rooted in our spirits today, okay? So the, uh, when Jesus first walks out onto the water, it's not clear who he is. He's, he's a ghost. He's, 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 uh, he's not clear. And from the first glimpse of the water-walking ghost to the end of the story where they, he's in the boat and they, they, they are worshiping him, they they clearly see who he is between ghost Jesus and worship Jesus in there somewhere. Their eyes are open to who he really is. They, they get a clearer vision of who Jesus really is. They get a, a glimpse of the glory of God and the power of God and the presence of God in our lives. And I want to say to us this morning, Cross Point Church, we need a new glimpse, a new vision. We need our eyes open to the glory of God and the power of God and the presence of God. He can't be ghost Jesus. He can't be in the past or distant Jesus. He's got to be real and clear and, and, and true and alive in our lives. And so the, 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 the fog lifts 
right? In this, as you read this story, the, the fog lifts and they clearly see who he is. He's not just um, the God who feeds 5,000 with a dinner, for, a dinner uh, for six, you know? He's not just that God. He's a personal God. He came to them and he cares. This morning, listen, if you're here this morning, I want you to know. Uh, my name is Tim Guptill. Welcome to Crosspoint. I hope you hear this this morning. God sees you in your storm, and God cares for you in your storm. And this could be the moment right now when God is walking out to you in your storm. And I hope this morning that you see him clearer than you've ever seen him before. He might lead you where he can teach you. He might take you to a place where you can see him like you've never seen him before. He might do things unexpected. They did not expect Jesus to walk out on the water. No one had, God had never done that before. Well, that's what God does. He is unexpected. And you might not recognize God at first. You might, you might not initially see this is Jesus in my life, but I hope that you, that, that, that clears for you today. The closer he gets and the more that you listen to his invitation there are a couple invitations in here. One is don't be afraid, an invitation not be, to not be afraid. Another one, take courage, um, have courage. And, uh, and he might ask you to step out in faith into the deep and everything inside you might be saying, this is crazy. I'm in a storm and God is sending me a ghost or something. Like, I don't, what, God, what are, you, what are you doing? But, you know, if you're drowning anyways, what do you have to lose? You may as well... <laughs> may as well talk to the ghost, right? We don't have many other options, so let's, let's talk to the ghost and, and, uh, and start there. What do you have to lose? The moment we put our faith ahead of our fear is the moment when we see Jesus. The moment when we put our faith ahead of our fear is the moment when we see Jesus. And for some, some of you today, it could, be, it could be salvation. Maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. Maybe you've been coming to Crosspoint. Um, maybe you've been here like, like for eons and you, you still have never made that, that decision or maybe this is your first time this morning. And it, and it could be that, that putting your faith over your, your fear and, and, and seeing Jesus for who he is. Like maybe this morning, like... Maybe you didn't know who he was. He was like ghost Jesus, but God has slowly been, been opening your eyes to who he is, and you're close, and you're like, I, I, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, is he really, ooh, ooh, is he really the son of God, you know? And, um, and just like God did for these guys, how they, they saw him like they never saw him before. And it might be that God does that for you in the midst of a storm. For some of you this morning, you're, you're in a storm and you need to see Jesus in your storm. And maybe your prayer has been, God, would you please just stop it? Would, would you make it go away? But before the storm ceases, you need to see Jesus in the storm. That's here in the text. He calmed the storm within them before he calmed the storm around them. Verse 28. 
Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, that's key. If Jesus is really Jesus. So Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now there's something in this exchange here that that, uh, is really deep. And we miss it. If you're reading this in English, you miss it all. To, you might miss it all together. I shouldn't say you, you will. When Jesus speaks to them, uh, it's at the end of verse 27 where he says, take courage. And then these three words, I am here. I am. Does that sound familiar? It's very similar to the way that God identified himself to Moses. I am. We miss it in the English language, but in the original text, Jesus is, Jesus is saying to them, Jehovah's here. God has come into your storm. God has shown up. He's identifying himself as the, as the God of creation, as the God of eternity, as the God over the wind and over the waves and over everything else. He's telling them, you don't have to fear. (laughs) You don't have to fear. It's not, I'm not just the fish and chips guy that you saw back there doing doing the neat tricks of multiplication with food. I am, I'm the Lord of heaven. I'm the God of it all. Jehovah is, is here. Um, it's just, it's the same or very similar expression when Moses says, so who do I tell people who sent me? And God says, you tell them I am sent you. And Moses is like, okay, okie dokie, I can do that. Um, God, Jesus is telling them God has arrived and they need to see Jesus as more than, he's more than just lunch when you are hungry. He is our provider. He is our supplier. He's rest when we are weary. He's comfort when we are afraid. He's direction when we are lost. He's presence to the lonely. He is healing to the grieving. He's strength for the weak. He's hope for the oppressed. He is joy in the morning. His love is never ending. His grace is never ceasing. His mercy is forever. He is with you in times of blessing when there is more than enough. And he is God. He is with you when you are in the storms. He's both. He gives and he takes away. He's God over all. And in verse 33, they worshiped him. And they said, you really are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. They went from ghost Jesus to son of God. Their eyes were were open. And I think that there was something back there in the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus left that event thinking that they're getting it, but they're not really getting it. And they're going to get it. (laughs) They're going to get it. They, they, they kind of see who I am, and they're impressed with some of these things, but their eyes aren't fully opened. And so you guys go out onto the lake, go across the lake. I'm going somewhere else. And then he comes back out, and he walks on the water. And now, in that, in that scene, their eyes are fully open. They weren't before. Now... They're like, you really 
are the Son of God. And they worshiped him. They saw him like never before. The greatest miracle in this story is not Jesus walking on the water. The greatest miracle in this story is not Peter walking on the water. The greatest miracle in this story is not Jesus calming the wind and the waves. The greatest miracle in this story is their eyes being opened to who Jesus really is. There is no bigger miracle. You'll never make a bigger decision than who will I serve? Who is Jesus? That's the big one. That's the question that you have to answer. And when you make that decision to, to believe in Jesus and to follow him as your Lord and your Savior, Jesus raising your life from the dead and, and breathing new life into you and saving you from your sin is the biggest miracle. There's no bigger miracle than that. It's why we celebrate baptisms in the Nashwalk because you were dead and buried and then you were washed by the blood of Jesus and you were raised to new life. And so the biggest miracle in this story is at the end when they worship him because they see him as the son of God. That's the, there's no bigger miracle than that. That's why we do what we do. It's, it's what this is all about, is to help people see who Jesus really is. There are a lot of people in this city who either don't see him at all or he's ghost Jesus. He's just some weird, strange, fuzzy kind of, they, they don't know who he is, but they need to, to see him. And, and we're doing our best, God help us, to help people in this city uh, cross over from death to life and have their eyes and their hearts open to who he really is. Well, it's response time. Are you excited? Are you excited about response time? I said this in the first service. Um, that reminded me, you know, getting excited about responding to the word of God reminded me of one, one time when I was at... Uh, uh, T.D. Jake's church in Dallas, Texas, big, massive, beautiful church. And anyhow, it, it, some pastor came out on the stage and said it was time to have the offering. And he had a, uh, a tithing envelope in his hands and people came unglued. They were jumping out of their seats with their giving in their hands and they were running up and down the aisles and they were dancing. And he said, like, this is the highlight of your week. And people were, the place went nuts over the offering. This is the response time. Are you ready for the response? Okay. I think you are, actually. This is good. This is good. Last Sunday's response, uh, if you have forgotten last Sunday's response, like I was very much the cheerleader last week. And last Sunday's response to go into all the world was, who or where is your all the world? Like, like you, when you leave church, you're going. And where are you going? Where is your all the world? Who are the people around you that need Jesus? This Sunday's question is, what is your next step? We can't just have a go series and a green light and talk about going without talking about taking your next step. What is your next step? And conveniently, we have all kinds of next steps ready for you um, right after this service. So when you leave this room this morning and go out into the big room of coffee, the lobby, um, Pastor Kenzie's going to be out there, and Pastor Nicole, and Pastor Ashley, and Pastor John, and um, one other one that I can't remember right now. Um, 
they're all going to be out there, uh, Steve and, and tech people. And uh, you are, we are going to confront you with opportunities to serve. We're going to make it difficult for you to leave this morning. Isn't that great? <laughs> We're not locking the doors, um, but we do want to get in your way a little bit. Um, and it's not about, we're not, I'm not trying to make your life more busy. I'm trying to make your life, I'm trying to make you more like Jesus. And if you're, if, if you're thinking right now, I'm just too busy, think about that. Like if we're too busy to be involved in church, you know, I don't know how that goes with, with, with what this book says and those who gave their lives to, to serve him, uh, Jesus who came to, to serve us. Um, found people, find people, save people, serve people. Forgiven people, forgive people, right? So um, some of the options out there after the service, getting into a group, hosting a group, uh, leading a group, um, Serving in kids' ministry. A church like Crosspoint should not have to beg people to serve in children's ministry. And, and we do. Um, like, it's bad. Like, we, we say this all the time, and, and everyone prays that someone else will serve in kids' ministry because they're not going to. And somebody has to serve in children's ministry. It's just that simple. We have to do this to... to carry on our God-given vision. We, if we're going to reach families, and if, if families are going to have children, right? And they're going to bring their kids to church. Uh, we want to serve those families well. Um, so serving in nursery, or there's lots of ways that you can serve with kids, with the youth, you can get involved in tech. Maybe kids isn't your thing, and you could you could get behind it. You could learn a camera, or learn the computer, or learn other things involving that way. Um, Frontline ministry out in the parking lot, lobby, greeting, coffee, other ways that you can serve. There's lots of ways. Um, and we're coming out of this long, wonky season as a church, and I just love that that God laid this on our hearts that it's 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 go time. And it's, it's, so it's, this, this literally is the time for, for you to go, to take your next step and to, and, and maybe everything is beating inside. You can say, look, I'm just looking for a back door. Like maybe I can sneak out this way. You don't want to do this, but I would encourage you to have, um, to put your faith over fear. That was the, one of the lessons in this text. And to, and maybe you're, maybe you're like, I don't know what to sign up for. Um, stand in the middle of the lobby, close your eyes, we'll spin you around and then just go sign up for something. And just sign up for something. I don't know. Um, but, but we don't want to be a church of attenders, right? We, we, need, we want you to get involved in the life of the church and the family of the church and the ministry of the church. And all of those things out there are spiritual formation. They're ways that God will, will make us more like his son, Jesus. Um, church is not a building you attend. It's a movement that you belong to. And uh, 
So this response time, woohoo! We're gonna, I'm gonna pray. Ashley's gonna lead us in another great song. And um, then I'll come back up to close the service. Jesus, Lord, God of heaven and earth, you are amazing. We are in awe of who you are, standing amazed in the presence of Jesus. Take us to a place where we can see your glory, where we can experience your power. Help us to step out of comfort zones. Um, Help us to see you in the storms and trust you. Remind us that what you're doing in us is more important than what's going on around us. Lord, I pray uh, for our church. I love this church. I love every person here. And I pray, God, that you would uh, help us to respond to you this morning by getting involved in, in your work. Give us a heart and a spirit of obedience, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said...